0: Hello, welcome to the show, it's Lauren in the studio, she'll put your worries on the chopping block. Goodbye, inhibitions, it's time we got down to it, we're working through it, so let's fucking talk.
1: Hi Justin. Hey. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. I'm so excited to talk to you.
1: I'm so excited. So I always like to start with how we know each other. And I want everyone to know that like me and you truly haven't had a conversation in probably a decade.
2: Yeah, at least.
1: (laughs) Yep. So you were just saying right before we started recording that you remember the first time you met me. So I truly need to hear that story (laughs) because I don't remember.
2: (laughs) So it was my first day of sixth grade at St. Mark Catholic school. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was probably like 2003. So yeah, that was like 20 years ago. Um,
0: And
2: yeah, I was sitting near, it was like you, Nicole, a, and then there was like Michael B and Michael S and like, I don't know, I don't remember who was dating who, but it was like a double date like of like you all were dating each other. So
1: I was dating Michael S. I'm gonna take ownership of that because he was my <laughs> first little boyfriend and I thought he was the cutest boy ever. And then Nicole was with Michael B. <laughs> okay,
2: so
0: continue.
2: <cool>. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember that many details. I just remember that it was like this like foursome and I was like, wow, they're like the coolest, hottest, popular kids. And uh, I was, like, really good at doing the do-now math problem. And you were like, oh, my gosh, what is the answer? How did you know how to do that? Um, And I was like, (laughs) I want to be their friend. I want to be liked by them. Um, And I just remember specifically about you, how, like, yeah, you just, like, didn't give a fuck about, like, what people thought or, like, following the rules, like, just to follow the rules. And, like, I was not at that point in my life at that time. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I, like, admired that a lot about you.
1: Oh, my God. Well... It's so funny how perception works, because at that age, I was so uncool and unpopular to all the kids that I had been in school with for, like, ever, which the small Catholic school, we'd all, most of us had been there since, like, kindergarten. And it was just, that was just not my experience, but then I became... I tried to attach to Nicole A, who was, in fact, the popular girl, like, Uh undeniably. And it was, like, different every week with her. Like, sometimes she liked me, sometimes sometimes she didn't. And it was, like, torturous because when she didn't like me, I wasn't in with the group. And then she would, like, hold these dance classes in the back of the field at recess. And, like, if I wasn't invited, then I wasn't cool that week. It was just...
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was not a good
1: time. (laughs) Uh,
2: We we should have been better friends back then. We can't go back in time, but here we are.
1: (laughs) I know. I I think now is a better time. I'm a better person. You're more yourself. So I think now is the best time. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to talk to you today as if I know nothing about the topics we're going to talk about because I want. I don't want this podcast to only be for people like me and you because that's not helpful. Mm -hmm. I want this podcast to be for people who are misunderstanding of the queer community, who are misunderstanding of the state of the world as a queer person. I just, I want to start from like ground zero. So first to start off, how do you currently identify and what are your pronouns? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And as like a disclaimer for myself, like I'm excited to be able to just like give my narrative of like a queer experience. Um, Some of the things I say like might sound blunt and like might sound like from where you're at. I wanna approach it from ground zero too. It might mm-hmm. make you feel defensive as, like, a listener, and I want to just, like, invite people to say, like, everything I'm saying is an invitation to a conversation, and, like, I am truly want to, like, hold space with love for us to see each other's point of view and, like, for people to see each other and who we are. So, like, if you experience defensiveness, like, that's okay, and just know that, like, my door is is open for, like, more conversation, more than just, like, what's said at face value here. Um, yeah, well. But yeah, so I identify as a queer, pansexual, gender expansive person. Um, My pronouns are Justin or they. And yeah, what that means to me is like, the way that I love, the way that I experience like sexual and romantic attraction is like irregardless of gender. In the last 10 years, like I've dated mostly like men or like masculine energies. And then I say gender expansive instead of non-binary because, yeah, for sure I don't feel like or I'm not a man or a woman. And, like, my gender is beyond the the colonial binary of just, like, men and women that has been enforced in our society. Like, my spirit, my energy is both at the same time and, like, neither sometimes. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: And when did you come to any or all of these conclusions was it one first the rest came later how did that unfold for you
2: yeah I think it was definitely um a progression over time I feel like the first time I guess like I've done a lot of like self-reflection trying to go back in time and be like did I know this all along or what I feel like Mm -hmm. some of the first memories I have of our are like being in, my, in the middle of my living room, like, putting a pillowcase on my legs and, like, pretending I was Ariel and, like, singing Little Mermaid, you know, <laughs> and that's, like, what little Justin loved to do, but then I also got the, like, hey, like, para con ese mariconeria, like, stop that uh, shit, <laughs> you know, from people yep. in my family, and so, like, that wasn't really encouraged, um, right. And then, yeah, like, now even, like, the obsession that I had with the Red Power Ranger that I thought was, like, my, like, little boy, like, action hero, like, doing a good thing was actually, like, a crush that I had on this person. But, like, yeah. at the time, that was not, like, that wasn't the conscious thought that I was having. It was just, like, oh, like, I'm really drawn towards this, like, Red Power Ranger. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> and so um I had a girlfriend all throughout high school. And I was, like, I feel like, like, kind of what I said about admiring how, you didn't do things just because you were supposed to, or that was my perception. I was like, Oh, like my family was like, Hey, like you have to be like a good boy. and like being a good boy, man, like doing these certain things, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, part of that was like finding a girl to like be in love with. And so like, I had this great friend who was my girlfriend and that was like what I thought love was. That's what I thought like sexual connection was. Cause that was like all I knew so far. And like, I would stay up late watching like the challenge on MTV, like seeing the shirtless guys or like, I would be like watching porn and like looking at the guy more than a girl. But I was like, Oh, this is just some like side sexual thing that I'm not really going to act upon. Like, cause I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to like be with women. And that was like how I processed it and like rationalized it in my mind. Um, And then, yeah, after college and like, just like, experiencing hooking up with men for the first time i was like oh okay like this is like a more fuller picture of like what sex can like be like and then i started to think like oh wait i also can't have romantic relationships with men too like that's okay um but it took a long time of like yeah just telling myself that that was okay like there was a period of time where i was like oh other people won't be okay with this but like now when i look back it was really myself that wasn't okay with mm-hmm. that and, like believed the messages that everybody around me said, whether it was like my family or like Catholic church or whatever it was that like, there was something wrong with that. Or that just like, wasn't what I was supposed to do, you know? Uh,
1: Yeah. So you said something that I want to make a point about. So the question we always hear is, or the story we want to know about is, did this person know when they were little? Because, and I think where that question comes from is, validating the person's experience and identity because if if you were like this when you were younger then that's you know the the thing that comforts people of okay well that must be true because they were little and they didn't know Mm -hmm. and some people don't have that experience and a lot of times it's because of the environment around them that it can't even be presented as an idea
2: Exactly. Like I didn't even know. I didn't even know it was an option. Like I didn't even like I didn't even realize that was something that could happen. You know.
1: Exactly. And growing up Hispanic, growing up Catholic, not only in the home, but then when you go to school, you're in a Catholic school. There's not much opportunity where you could feel that and really question that as a young person, because. Like you said, you were little playing mermaid and (laughs) someone used a derogatory term in Spanish to talk about queer people at you and you're five. So Mm -hmm. there's not much opportunity for that questioning to happen. And I feel like I have that experience and with a lot of people in my life who are queer that grew up in very similar circumstances where they might not have that story of like, yes, I've been doing X, Y, Z since I was little because some people are so deeply suppressed and don't have that opportunity so while I think it's a let's call it like a fun conversation to have of like who are you and how did you get here I don't want that to be the validating question for people who don't necessarily understand this topic as much um that's not like proof of something being true or real and someone's gender identity someone's sexuality is not something to be proved or something that is real or fake it just literally is yeah so i didn't want to make that note now
2: and whether whether you understand it or not like just some like each individual person is the best qualified to speak on behalf of like their identity and their experience so like whether you don't understand it like that's fine but when someone else tells you who they are like it's your responsibility to to believe them and also like when you're five you have no schema of anything about how the world is yet right so when your father when someone in your family is like stop that gay shit you don't even know what gay shit is and stop that you you start the question like okay like anytime I make a move you're kind of looking over your shoulder like is this okay is that okay like is this still good for you because you don't you don't even know what was the wrong thing that you did but you know right, that... you're like,
1: is this the gay shit or no? <laughs>
2: exactly, so you're just kind of, so you start to second guess everything and I feel like that did turn me into this little kind of like little robot that was just like, okay, let me like walk in line so that I can make the, those adults happy instead of mad, you know?
1: Yes, and I love the way you said like everyone is, whatever the source is coming from, that person is the expert on their own experience and their sexuality and their gender identity. And that's something that, so Emery is my best friend. You know, Emery, Emery loves you also. And <laughs> Emery recently, well, it's been a couple of years now, but started to transition. And Emery is very open to questions of all kinds, any kind. Um, Emery welcomes those conversations. And Emery knows that I've become someone that people go to for the questions because I'm the best friend. So I have people in my life who know Emery, who love Emery, but you know, th- for instance, there's women that I became very close with that I met at a gym up here. They are 30, 35, 40 and have not had any encounters with queer people at all. So they loved Emory. They're very open-minded, but they sure as shit had a million questions for me. And I welcome those questions on behalf of Emery and Emery and I have a history together where I am allowed to answer certain questions about Emery and, you know, like kind of speak on behalf of them if they're not around for those questions. So they ask questions and it's, so interesting because once you start to break down the idea that you need to understand someone else's sexuality, that's always what I lead with when people ask questions because they want to know, okay, well, why are they open to different types of people sexually? But then if they're trans, so does that make them lesbian or are they gay? And I'm like, okay, whoa, 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 what is the obsession with the vocab words?
2: Yes. <laughs> Or like Like, the the classification, the boxes. Yes,
1: like we need a box or our brains are melting. And I'm like, I literally describe Emery as a human who likes other humans. Mm -hmm. It's like everything boiled down to one sentence is exactly that. And that's actually what we all are. I don't care if you are Mm -hmm. heterosexual. I don't care if you're just a human and you like another human and you're attracted to them for whatever reason. So the obsession with like, Vocab words. It would be really beneficial if people could eventually start to let those go, because first of all, you're confusing yourself for no reason. There's really nothing to be that confused about.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
2: I, I feel like that—that's like why I have so much compassion for. And it's like it's hard to have compassion for people who like hate you, you know. But I still yeah. do anyway, because like that's what we need. But like. I didn't know at one point either, like I didn't know that I had this option of different like words or genders or things or like a, a words to place what I knew I was experiencing inside of me. Like there was a period of time where I didn't know. And as long as your like, curiosity is like with good intentions, and like to seek to understand me better and believe me better than like, great, you know, um, and to but th- this is the problem is that everybody in society has bought into the lie of like, there's these two gender boxes, like, man and women, and then there's this one sexuality box, and that's the only way that it could be, and, like, I think the the transphobia that you see, the homophobia that you see, the resistance to accept that you see comes from, like, people have bought into that, like, BS framework, and, like, they have a hard time of letting that go. It's like, wait a minute, like, I can step outside of that, too? Like, there's possibility, like, there's possibility for me also to, like, be outside of this box and, like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes that does scare people and they don't know what to do with it. So they're like, let me just hide them away. Like, let me hide those queer and trans people away because, like, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and I feel like those boxes also make it harder for the person who does want to step outside of the box or isn't a standard hetero gendered person because then the boxes start to stress you out because you're like, okay, wait, what box am I in? Mm-hmm. Like when I was growing up, I was the girl making out with all of my friends and initiating that. And to this day, (laughs) I pray to God, no one feels victimized by me. Mm -hmm. And, but I was like, well, I like, I I'm not gay. And that's the only other word I knew when I was 12 or 13. Right? Like, we didn't have all this knowledge. So it was like, well, you're straight or you're gay? And I was like, well, no, because I am obsessed with Michael S., so I'm not gay. <laughs> and and sometimes I mean, Michael B. also.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but yeah, like, so it like put stress on me almost. And then as I got older, I think the first time someone asked me outwardly was um, I was, it was 2015, and I had just moved to Wilton Manors, which for people who don't know is a very queer community in Fort Lauderdale. And I moved there intentionally. I I, I mean, there's no other way to say it. I just prefer queer people.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and it just feels like a more open space. They are people who have met themselves deeply. They are people who, you know, like with challenges comes a different type of person. So I think I'm naturally attracted to the queer community because they're already like they've met themselves on deeper levels than a lot of people have, you know, and I'm attracted to that. So mm-hmm. I moved there and it, my whole apartment complex was only gay men, period. <laughs> and they'd seen me at the pool and they were all excited. They were like, girl, so what's up with you? Are you gay? <laughs> like first mm-hmm. question. And I, it was the first time I was asked so directly, so repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And I just started saying like, I don't have an answer for you. Like I am attracted to people and it comes as it comes. Like it has been in the form of women. It has been in the form of men. Like I I can't with the, with the labels, like it's for what? Because then the questions come of like, then there's all these stigmas against bisexual people. So that label isn't my favorite. And then pansexual is actually the label that I've identified with the most. But then that comes with all these questions. And I'm like, oh, my God, just leave people alone. Mm -hmm. Like, like (laughs) even gay men wanted to put me in a box. And I'm like, sirs, we're not doing that anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like I confused them. And they, mind you, these are the older gays in Fort Lauderdale. So we have to help them too sometimes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, being gay does not mean that you're automatically, like, woke.
1: (laughs) Correct, correct. Um, Okay, so I want to rewind. When you were in this relationship, in high school Mm -hmm. did you ever question the way you were feeling or did it not feel like enough or you know anything like that or when you were in it you thought like no this is 100 percent normal and this makes sense for me
2: yeah i thought that it was i thought it was normal i thought it made sense for me i didn't know what to make of the like attractions that i was also having towards men or like masculine energy you know um I didn't know what to make of that, but, like, the relationship itself was, like, oh, yeah, like, we're friends, like, we have this, like, you know, partnership, relationship, we, like, also hook up and have sex and make out and do stuff. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was normal, but going back to, like, what you were just saying about the boxes, though, like, I feel like when I started allowing myself to, like, experience the sexual attraction towards men, I was, like, oh, that that means I'm gay then, that means I'm, like a man <laughs> who like, like, a man who likes men. So even then at that point, I, like, turned away from, like, looking at, like, women at all. And now I'm, like, I don't even know how. Like, I do have these attractions that I feel I do, and, you know, and, like, it's in a different way, but I definitely do. And I, and I don't know what to make of it because I also, like, I'm putting myself in, like, these boxes of, like, oh, you're a boy who likes boy. And I just, like, went away from that. So, <laughs> yeah. At the time, I did feel it was normal. And I think that there was, like, a legitimate connection that we have, in, like, my sexuality is fluid you know um but i was just kind of like i don't know why i keep looking at these shirtless guys but i'll figure this out down the road later (laughs) on
1: now when you were having those feelings of like okay i'm looking at the shirtless guys feels fun don't know what it is did that come with fear guilt shame were you able to kind of just put it away like did it disturb you and your knowing of you at that point
2: uh, yeah, I definitely feel like it was, it was more shame than anything else. Like I feel like it just kind of, it led me to be like, oh, there's this part of you that you have to like keep hidden. There's this part of you that you have to like hide away that you can't let anyone see that you can only do like when you're alone or like think about when you're alone. Um, it wasn't so much fear, but it was like, oh, this is, this isn't right. Like, this is, this is bad that you, like you you shouldn't tell people about this. You shouldn't explore this in public.
1: Okay. And when was the first time you allowed yourself to feel those feelings and explore? Like, what is the thought process? What is, what does it look like to go from all your history, all your background the Catholic, the Latin, your family, your parents, dating a woman for many years. Um, what is the decision? What is that moment like of, I'm going to interact with this man and I'm going to make out or grab a butt cheek or whatever the first thing was. <laughs> like, yeah. what was that moment like?
2: Yeah. I think So when I, yeah, I got grinder when I went into college and had that for a while. So and the then, first, first
1: step was I'm downloading Grinder.
2: Well, I don't know if that was the first, that was the first step. But like once I was in college and I knew that like I kept having those feelings and I had more of a freedom to explore it, I was like, okay, yeah, like, let me, like, I keep hearing about this Grinder thing. Like, let me see what it's about. Let me like, you know, and then. Was that yeah. kept
1: a secret to yourself or was there anyone you were sharing this with?
2: Oh, no, that was all like just to myself.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It
2: was all big secret to like everyone. And even, yeah, like, the first, like, sexual experience I had with the guy was, like, someone from Grindr. I was probably still 17, and he must have been, like, 40,
0: and we,
2: like, hooked up in a parking, like, a parking lot, like, in his car, and I, like, we, like, kissed a little bit, and, like, we, like, oral, and then I, like, went home, and I kind of, like, stopped it right away, and I went home, and I just remember, like, Brushing my teeth for like hours, like being so like disgusted with myself and like hiding in my room and like not wanting my mom to see me like nobody even knew what I did or like what happened but I felt like everyone knew and I felt like, I don't know, I I did feel so much like guilt and shame and I was like, oh, like, yeah, I was just like, wow, like, why did I, I do that. But the reason why I even downloaded Grinder, like, agreed to meet up with him is because I was, like, okay, I keep having these feelings that I want to, like, explore, you know. And they're also, like, in hindsight, there were a lot of other gross aspects about that situation that weren't just, like, I was hooking up with the guy, you know.
1: I understand. Um, like,
2: there was, like, a weird power dynamic there, too. And, like, I didn't know anything. But I was just, like, dis- I, disgusted with myself, you know. Um, yes, And
1: sexual experiences of all kinds can leave us feeling gross, and it has nothing to do with the fact of the other person's gender. It has everything to do with the energy of a situation, your emotional state. So, yes, I I completely understand
2: yeah. Now, and I think there was a mixture of like also like the parts of it that I did like and that I was like experiencing for the first time, but still having like internalized some of the beliefs that that was like wrong, you know. So it's like people are like, oh, look, like if people look at that as validation that there's something bad about the situation, like it's only bad because of the shame that was taught to me that was like should have never been there in the first place, you know. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Now, from that moment, do you take a pause? in exploring that because you're freaked out or what is like, what did that look like coming out of like your first exploration and not necessarily having the best time or the best feelings?
2: Yeah. So I did like the decision, especially that night, like I was like, okay, definitely taking a pause on that for a while. Like need to figure out how this feels. Um, But then at the same time there was like a floor mate of mine, like in the dorms that like he and I were like building like a more, like we were just becoming friends with each other um and then that kind of like friendship grew into being more like cuddly intimate then we started like secretly like making out and like hooking up when like our roommates were away and things like that and so he was like him and then this other crush I had on like a senior boy at school where like the two like at the same time those things were happening that I was like I don't know it helped me fully see the picture of like the, the feelings that I was having I was like oh like you could have like of friendship, you know, like you could have a relationship with someone that's a mixture of like platonic and romantic and sexual, like all together. Like that's okay. Like you like this. Like this is somebody that when you're like naked in bed with, like that feels like comfortable and calm and good. And then mm-hmm. I was like, there's this other like person that you realize that you really like. Yeah, like you have like a crush on, or that you like would want to like date, or you like idolize as like a partner, you know. Um, so I was like putting those two things together and like being able to like slowly practice it, you know? And then I think that just like helped me see in my mind, like, okay, this is really who I am and that's okay. And like, I guess I'm gay. Like, that's what I am.
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, within safety, things will feel good. Like the first experience you had wasn't about, oh, you, that must be wrong or you must not be interested in men. It's like, no, the, the experience was not a safe one so that could have been with anyone and it's just not good there's you know what i'm saying like there's plenty of sexual relationships that i've had that are the standard cisgendered heterosexual dynamic and it was not safe and it was Mm -hmm. not good
0: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah
1: so that can happen in any dynamic Mm -hmm. so
2: And when people feel relegated to do things, like, in secret or in hiding, that opens up so much more room for, like, unsafety to happen, too.
1: Correct. Yep. All right. So what did coming out look like? Who did you tell first? What was that experience for you? I've always wondered this about you from a distance because I (laughs) know the family you come from, Uh and they're so wonderful and loving, but they're the wonderful, loving Cuban Catholic family, and that is quite terrifying if you decide to step outside of what they view as positive or normal or acceptable, so.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I And I'm, like, excited that now, at least in my family, there is, like, a queer... Like, my nephews will have, like, a queer uncle, and, like, it won't be, like, there's, like, a blueprint for them just in case, no matter what. But, yeah, yeah, like, there was no real precedent for that. But, um... Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I told one of my best friends first, uh, I was like this like girl best friend that I had, we're not friends anymore. And yeah, she was the first person that I actually like told it was like, I don't know, I just, I was like starting to talk to this guy that I really liked. And I was like, maybe we're going to date. And I was like, so hopeful and excited about it. And I like, that made it fully real in my mind. So I was like, okay, I could tell people now. And I told her. And, like, her initial reaction was positive, but then, like, a few days later, when she kind of internalized it, she got super weird about it and made me feel, like, uncomfortable. So then I was kind of like, okay, well, that was, like, a semi-failed first attempt to, like, what do I do now? Um, And then there was, like, an incoming, so I was a sophomore now at UM, and there was an incoming class of freshmen, and in there, there was, like, a group of, like, theater kids, and, like, some of them were gay, and the rest of them were, like, very gay-friendly. And with them, I felt the comfort and the safety to like reveal that information. And I knew that it would be like accepted without question. And so I started to tell, yeah, I just started to like over my sophomore year, I just started to tell friends like little by little. Um, I was like scared to tell my like straight boyfriends, um, not boyfriends, but like friends who are boys. <laughs> I wish. Um, and even like we've all grown together in our relationship and, like, our understanding of this, too, since then. But, like, even then, like, their initial reaction was, like, oh, you know, like, it's okay, we love you because you're, like, a regular gay person. You're not, like, one of those gay people. And, like...
1: Not regular gay. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm, like,
2: at the time, like, also my, like, like myself who didn't fully love myself at the time like was found comfort in hearing that from them you know like it was like any any thread of acceptance that they would give me like i was good with i was like yes okay good like fine and i was like yeah i am not like those people like i'm still gonna try my best to like fit into like this other world you know Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was like, like that, just like a process little by little of like telling people, seeing the reaction, explaining myself, reclaiming myself, like backing back down and then standing back up, you know? Um, And then the summer after that, my dad is actually the first person that I told, I think like he saw that I was like really depressed and really struggling with something inside of me. Like he saw that I wasn't happy. He saw that I wasn't there because I was like holding inside like now I knew this thing right like now I knew who I was and I really was was keeping it from people I'm like so unsure of what if they would still love me afterwards like if they would still love me after they knew that information and there was like one time where like I got super drunk at his house and I was like trying to like hold my face under the water in the pool and I was like fuck it I don't care like So he saw that, like, he saw me reacting that way. And he kind of invited the conversation. I was just like, Hey, like, uh, I noticed you're not really like dating anyone lately. Like, are you okay? And then, and, you know, do you like any, any girls right now? Um, And I was like, I don't think I really like girls, like, in general. And he was like, Oh, so like, you're gay then? And I was like, yeah. Um, And it was honestly, like, such a great moment of like acceptance and like feeling so seen by him that he even like invited the conversation and just like wanted to love me and like for me to have peace of mind and not keep like hiding myself away from my family and like hiding anything you know um and so yeah that going well made me gave me like the confidence to tell the rest of my family I was like very afraid to tell my mom too like just like I don't know anytime anything happens like she's just like, why is this happening to me? You know, and like having such like the Catholic background, like I was like, I don't want this to be a problem like with like her friends from like church groups or like all these things, you know?
1: Um, Yeah, like like, to be the
0: (laughs) same.
2: Yeah, I didn't want, yeah. I was just so afraid of what her reaction would be. And like, even like making it about her a little bit too. Like, I just didn't know what the reaction was going to be. But like, I chickened (laughs) out of telling her multiple times. So finally I was like, hey, can we meet up to talk? I need to tell you something. And so when we got down, she was like, hey, what's wrong? Like, did you get arrested? Did you get someone pregnant? And I was like, lol, I know actually <laughs> yeah. about that. Um, and then yeah, she was also super great about it too. And like, I think that was all just pressure that I put on myself that I had to hide it. And But they've all like received me with love. I think like, how open we can be with talking about different things or how like the questions that they ask is still depends on like the person and the day. And I haven't even had a conversation like face to face with my grandparents about it, even though I know that they know, cause I still, I don't know. I'm just so afraid of like them saying the wrong thing. And then me not like my heart, not knowing what to do with that, you know?
1: Yeah. And grandparents are tough. They, they're really out a distance away from all of this. <laughs> like- mm-hmm and your family is cuban right yeah so i need everyone who is not cuban to know that a cuban father being like accepted accepting of this off rip is the most beautiful miracle anyone could ask for so <laughs> so happy you had that experience because i remember when i saw you coming out that was what i thought of first because i knew your family and again i have a similar situation where like you meet my Cuban dad and you're like that guy's the best he's so charming he's so funny but then when it get, comes to these ideas it's not cute and charming mm-hmm. and I worried for that for you again from a distance knowing nothing but I'm very glad I mean it seemed positive because I have seen you with your family since so I'm like okay well if it, <laughs> it, it got positive at some point even if it wasn't right away but I'm glad to know that it was that way so I am very interested in talking about the straight boyfriends as we call them because (laughs) i've known those people for a very long time also Uh and same concept i saw you with them still after and i was like okay thank god like everyone's behaving everyone's everyone's being accepting and loving and doing the right stuff but again maybe you started as a normal gay as we call it but you have changed and expanded and become more yourself since then. So has their support remained the same? Has it been challenging? Like, what does that look like for you guys? Because you guys have been friends for a very long
0: time.
2: Um. Yeah, it hasn't been the same for, like, everybody in that group. Like, yeah, Brandon, he's, like, my brother, and he has been since then, and he always will be. And, like, yeah, I feel like as our friendship has grown like we both have taken the time to realize that the Miami bubble that we grew up in is not the entire world and is not mm-hmm. the entire mm-hmm. universe and all the truths that we thought we knew about the whole world are like wrong and like ignorant yeah um and so yeah i think like in his love for me like as he's always provided a safe space for me to like tell him who I am as soon as I've even realized that. And so like, as I've evolved and grown and updated him on that information, like it's always been accepted. And yeah, he's just like, we, Brandon and I will like sit on the couch and like cuddle or hold hands. And like, that's just like how we express like intimacy with each other. Like we're so, we're so close and like loving and it's not like, Oh, you're gay. Like get off of me. Like, it's not like that, you know, it's just like, we have this true siblinghood That's like beautiful. And, We've kind of just like evolved together throughout the years. Um, And then like other people in that group, I feel like through, I don't know. I don't know if it's like conservatism or just like things that they believed all along and like didn't say, but have been like, oh, like they, them, like, fuck that. Like that's made up. I'm not going to like use that. Um, After I've, you know, after asking me like, hey, so tell me more about your new identity. And I sit there and like tell you this for 30 minutes, like who I am. And then I'm, like, in a different conversation. I overhear... Or, like, I hear about the fact that you're saying that in a different conversation about me, you know? Um, And so it's hard because it's... I feel like you don't want to dispose of, like, people that you love. Like, I feel like we're... The reason why we have relationships with people is so that we can, like, healthily, like, have conflict and grow and learn and, like, see different points of views. But it's also disheartening to have people just be like no like I don't I don't really care about respecting you or or your identity or like the laws and policies that hurt people like you you know like oh you can call me my friend all you want but if like at the end of the day that's not how you show up in the world then like you don't really care about me like that's what it feels like
1: yes I completely agree and we need to revisit the topic of vocab words again because the way people just melt down when they hear they them is really confusing. (laughs) Okay, I'm just so open-minded and don't give a literal shit what anyone else is doing that if you tell me from now on you have to say that I'm a zebra, guess what, bitch? You're a zebra now. Why Mm -hmm. do I give a fuck? And why do I have to overthink if that makes sense? Maybe Mm -hmm. it does, maybe it doesn't who fucking gives a shit just you're a zebra awesome enjoy like why does it matter it like it goes back to this thing of like people have to make logical sense of everything and I'm like does it really matter especially on a scale like this like we're not talking about something that's gonna change the world or the planet or the way you live or the things that affect you like you literally just say they or them instead of he or she like and then when (laughs) mind you they do this lovingly but people around me you know I've had to say like okay if you cannot say she her about Emery like please stop it's Mm -hmm. at least say them or he him whatever you want but they'll be like okay so you're going to see they and I'm like hello I'm going to see them like (laughs) All of a sudden, their grammar goes out the window, and they're like, it just doesn't make sense here. And I'm like, huh? You've never used the words they and them before? It's the same
0: thing. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, people do it all the time. Like, oh, there's a package at the front door. Like, they dropped it off this morning. Like, you you know, like, you don't know the gender of the male person, and you just say they.
1: That's what I try to tell people. I'm like, (laughs) you guys say that more often than you know, but Mm -hmm. you're not thinking it. Yeah. But then when you put it in this context, it's like the first time they've ever said the words they or them and all of a sudden they don't know how to use it. They don't know where it goes in the sentence. I'm like, "What? What's going
0: on?" Yeah.
2: Like it's really not that hard. And if you all if you're never sh- if you're unsure and you really don't want to make a mistake, like just use somebody's name and you can never be wrong. We don't need to use a pronoun. Like the pro- pronoun they're yep. like they is, like, that person over there, and she is, like, that girl over there. But, like, when I say Lauren or Justin or Emery, like, I know exactly who I'm talking about. And you're not going to make somebody feel, like, not included, you know?
1: Exactly. So, yep. Yeah. So, the thing I'm dying to talk to you about that I've been... It's a conversation I've had in my own head for a
0: couple
1: <laughs> of um, I obviously follow you on social media, and you post... You know, things authentic to you. So I get somewhat of a picture of the things you are passionate about or believe in. And every time you post something with a religious religious context, I internally gasp. Um, I have had such a roller coaster with spirituality and religion. And obviously I went to Catholic school my whole life. That was that. And then when I went to college, I became violently atheist. Mm -hmm. And then I came to realize that I personally believe that it's important to have a belief in something bigger than you in something more meaningful. Like, I think that's good for literal mental health purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also am in partnership with someone who is more leaning towards traditional religious values and words and i'll call myself out here i talk shit about everyone else's issue with vocab words my biggest vocab word block is the word god Mm
0: -hmm. like
1: when it comes out of my mouth i'm nauseous i'm like who is that and what are we talking (laughs) about i can call it anything else the universe source energy love light i I could call it anything but if i have to say god it's like i have to force that sound out of my throat and i'm like and My partner and his family are very much like God and Jesus oriented. And I think being in that experience has helped me a lot and has helped me to kind of see my own judgments and prejudice towards other people's beliefs because I get on a high horse about the things I believe in. But then if I don't agree with your beliefs, I'm like, ew, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. So... I have come around now to really listening to people talk and when I hear him and his family talk about their god, their Jesus, their religious views I'm like, oh we're all saying the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just different vocab words. And that has helped me a lot like to be less judgmental of him and his family and to also it it helps me further my spirituality and like embrace that. But then I see someone like you who is so someone that this community has rejected over and over and over. And I wonder how the hell you're out here doing it. So <laughs> please <is to> share. <laughs>
2: um. Yeah. I mean, so I feel like I had a very similar trajectory to you as far as like going into college and kind of like, along with the acceptance of like growing up Catholic meant like, Oh, Hey, Okay, let me take even a step further back. I'm grateful for, like, the Catholic education I had, especially now, because I'm seeing all these, like, parallels and truths that did come in Christianity, like, the good parts before it got, like, tarnished by, like, greedy men who, like, wanted to use Christianity for power, right? Um, So christian school miss court's class was in, what introduced me to the word benevolent and it was like okay god is benevolent god wants what's best for you like at all times and i was obsessed with that idea like i was a eucharistic minister in high school i was like super into god like you know i wasn't gonna have sex until i got married like very deep into the faith because i was like wow like if this god loves me that much then that's something that i want to like believe in and like have faith in but then coming to terms with my identity meant like oh I have to also this I guess if I'm queer and I'm not a bad person then I guess this religion is wrong and everything about it is wrong so like I turned away from that too Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: like I had experiences in my life where I feel like when I didn't have God when I didn't have like a relationship with a higher power when I didn't have like a goalpost like I did get lost and I did find myself in really like shitty situations that didn't feel good and that kind of pushed me back to just like having this sense of faith in something bigger than myself and like a bigger relationship and like similarly to you I hesitated so much to use the word God for a while because it was like I, I was using words like the universe or like source or creator um, and okay. Because of all the religious trauma that was wrapped up in that word and I didn't for myself and I didn't want other people hearing me talk about God to have to experience that trauma that that can come up with the word God, or to think that I was like one of those Christian people that, you know, doesn't love queer people or that uses Christianity in a really rigid way to like hate people like. If you look at the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, like, he was a good-ass dude, you know? Like, if Jesus was walking around on Earth today, like, these, like, social so-called Christians would probably hate who he was. Like, he tore up a temple because people were trying to sell things in there and make money, you know? Like, he looked out for the poor. He hung out with the people that were, like, least loved in society. And the reason why he was killed is because he was a threat to the status quo. He said, love unconditionally, but that didn't work for capitalists. That didn't work for people in power. And so, like, when I started learning about, like, Hinduism and Sanatana Dharma, like, the way that they talk about God as, like, the creator, like, I don't know. They just, they talk about God as unconditional love, which is, that's the first definition of God that I resonated with in my life. and. Mm -hmm. They talked about God, you know, using that name so matter-of-factly, like, yeah, that's just what God is. God is everything. God is unconditional love. God is what was here before what we were all here. God is what is keeping your heart beating and what's keeping the earth spinning. Like, God is an ocean, and we're a drop in the ocean. And I'm like, oh, like, that makes sense. And I'm like, why do I let these bigots win? Like, why am I going to let these hateful people not let me use this word of something that I do believe in and something that I do love and and so much, you know? So it's like when I use God, like, I use it very intentionally to, to cause that, like, uncomfortability and be like, no, like, God is my God too, and God created me, like, exactly this way. And what I'm about to say was, like, from an Instagram video I saw, but just because, like, you don't understand God's creativity of how God can make me this unique way doesn't mean that, like, that shows how beautiful God is even more that God paints with all of these different colors, you know? And so like, I'm going to use that word because that's the word that I have to talk about what I mean. And just because other people use it in a hateful way, doesn't mean that I don't
1: get to use it too. I love that so much. And I feel like that is a message that also I can internalize and integrate. And it could help me also because who the standard, like catholicism and christianity and like places of worship so often are still in that place and i really truly not even in a judgmental way sometimes in a judgmental way for being honest but mostly <laughs> in a way of curiosity i really seriously don't understand and want to know how people because you'll go into your standard Catholic church and they will talk endlessly about God loves all, you know, love your neighbor. I mean, it goes on and on the love, 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 except this group of people. And I'm like, what, how does that make sense? Like, how can you think both at the same time? Like it's so, but I, I understand to some extent if you don't ever challenge what you're taught, because when you're in it, you're like, Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, you don't even stop to think. Like, wait, what'd they say? And how does that make sense? Because I was in that dynamic for a long time, and I didn't really question a whole lot. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever you say. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But it's hard to question it. You're like, this so quickly does not add up. It's insane. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And we had a conversation a couple weeks ago because someone that we both know posted essentially an anti-pride post onto their Instagram story which is such a public display of whatever your opinion is like social media if you post your beliefs there that is the most public display of your beliefs Mm -hmm. and it was so disturbing to me because one I thought I knew this person to have grown into like this really sweet beautiful soul I have seen this person a couple times you know since high school and I was like That's really sweet. Like, it's always nice to see people after high school and be like, they ended up like being so like, smart and loving, like, you know, things that maybe you didn't see in high school from them or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it was so shocking for that reason. It's so shocking because this person works in mental health counseling as a therapist. And that terrifies me because I mean, pretty much with 100% guarantee she will come across a queer person facing certain challenges, like especially you're in the field of mental health and all these things that this falls under. And I was just so beside myself because I couldn't believe that. I think it's shocking to me that people our age and people who live like in a a larger city and people who are exposed to different kinds of people so often and people who have friends that are all different kinds of people still hang on to these beliefs and still like you said if you are my friend supposedly but then in the way you live your day-to-day life it doesn't match like that is so disheartening and this post was truly villainizing and making it evil to be anything but a man and a woman being together and basically summarized pride month as something to stand up against and to hold on to your faith because these people will come and try to take it from you and this should really be the month of Jesus the sacred heart and I could have shit myself when I read this I literally read it a hundred times because I was like I am obviously misreading this (laughs) so how do you how do you deal with like the knowing that that is still running so deeply through Christianity and Catholicism.
2: Yeah. I don't know. It is super disheartening. And like, even that person is somebody who I've seen like in the last year, like three, literally three times, you know, and like been like super close with and like nice with and like their family and everything, you know, and it's just like, okay, fine, when you're 15 and you grew up in a bubble and that's how you know, like, great. But, like, now, like, we're 30 and, like, you've gone to college and you have you have TV, like, you know that your friends and people that are, are good to you exist. So it's, like, how can you, like, in my face, just, like, look at me and, and deny that, you know? I'm just, like, I'm right here. Like, I, I told you who I was. Like, why don't you see me, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how to deal with that. I, I honestly don't. <laughs> I think, like... What I have decided is that I am going to, in my life and in like the communities that I build and the communities that I participate in, not be a hypocrite and actually be godlike in the sense of like giving unconditional love and treating everybody with care and leaving the the world better for this generation and the generations that come after me and like building communities like that and kind of letting that be the example for like the hypocrisy that that works and I think little by little like people are seeing the hypocrisy people are seeing the bs like so yeah I think it's kind of like a long game but I think it's like a slow reclamation of like these terms and these ideas and like not being like feeling like I have to Like, I'm going to show up to all my family parties wearing makeup and doing what I do. And when my mom has a church thing, I'm going to go wearing makeup and doing what I do and show, like, look, Susan's child, like, this is the way they are. And, like, look, they always treat me with love and respect. And I don't know, little by little, just letting people kind of, like, prove themselves wrong, if that makes
0: sense.
1: Yes, I love that. And you're so loving and sweet. And I can also take a lesson from that because I just write people off when I see that kind of behavior. And it's what has shut me down to spirituality for so long. It's what shut me down to spiritual spaces. Um, My partner, there was a church they liked going to, and I wanted to meet him in that place and do something with him that I knew was of value to him. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the ch- uh, church for the first time, literally in over 10 years, because you won't catch me walking into a church. I, I identify that as like a place of true hell. Like I just don't want to be there. And mm. I did some research and I live in Orlando, the nearest university is UCF, and they have this whole website of queer friendly churches. So I literally looked at the list and picked one. And I told my partner, like, I want to go to church, but it has to be off of this list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: you're not going to find me in a place where I'm listening to a sermon and I have to hear that message because I I literally won't even sit there like mm-hmm. I will get up out of my chair and head on out because I can't even be in a place where people are still in that in that mindset. So when do you still go to church? Because I know, obviously, that is something that is a space you loved at one point. So do you go to those places or is your spiritual practice like, you know, your own thing at home, at the beach, whatever it is?
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, I haven't been to church in a while. Um, I went to I went to mass last week for a funeral for the first time in a very long time. And it was weird. It was weird knowing that all like a lot of the people like sitting in those chairs might uh judge like who I am and not (laughs) think that it's like as valid as how they are um and I was you know I don't know I feel like I'm just like in a more peaceful place where I can be like okay all and then even in the new spirituality that I'm learning it's kind of like whatever whatever modality you take to get your messages to god like they all go to the same place and so i'm like okay this is one church this is one house of worship like this is a place where like god will hear my prayers and i just like was like you know doing my own thing and using that as a moment to like connect in the way that i have built my individual relationship with god but yeah i feel like how i practice my spirituality now is just like at home at the beach like you said like in every moment like just kind of like appreciating how things are and being grateful for how things are and like forgiving myself and loving myself and like being like, Hey, like God made you this way. It's okay. Um, yeah, it's like developing an individual relationship through like meditation, through journaling, through prayer, through like noticing these little moments that feel like coincidences, but aren't coincidences. Um, yeah.
1: I love that. Okay. So, I want to talk a little bit and about-
2: yoga also, sorry, yoga too. Like I've learned so much about God your- and, and spirituality through practicing yoga and like the true roots of yoga.
1: Yeah. embodiment. I am learning is like the actual truest version of spirituality, like being in your own body and through my own healing, I'm learning how much I've been disassociated. Um, so yes, any kind of physical practice like that is extremely powerful. Breathwork, yoga. All of that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about some of the laws in Florida. Um, It's kind of a convoluted topic. Uh, I don't want to get in the weeds about it, but I do want to know your general take, maybe the ones that you feel impacted by. Um, Just anything that's important to you regarding these laws that are, that, we're dealing with in Florida right now
2: um yeah there's a whole bunch of laws that are going to go into effect on July 1st and there's like even more laws that have been going into effect um so like google that and like look at the details so yeah I don't want to get into the weeds either but I think like in looking at all of them the thing that sticks out to me the most is just the way that they create more of a police state in florida and like it's police like the actual like the police like the police department and also like as a society policing each other so like these there's a lot of vagueness that is like intentionally built into these laws like the first one that really concerns me are the immigration laws and so um the laws that are going to affect are going to give undocumented people pause on like okay should i go to school should I go to the hospital? Am I going to be on this list somewhere where they can like deport me or detain me because I went to seek medical help, right? Um, and it, it like leaves other people in society to look at like, hey, what gender are you? Are you in the right bathroom? Are you allowed to be here? I don't think so. Let me take this into my own hands with the gun that I'm now allowed to carry without a permit, right? Um, right. And so when you put all of that together, it builds all of this like this distrust, this like scapegoating, this like policing people's bodies and like who can be where and why and what people can can wear, what people can talk about, what identities exist. Um, And it also just takes us back in time too. It's like, how in K through 12 schools are we not going to mention homosexuality? As if it's like, not a real thing that exists in the world. And then how are all the students that go to school in Florida gonna be prepared to go out and live in the rest of the country when their education fails them and doesn't include black people and black history and queer history and all these things, you know? Um, so like, I think being in a bubble is what causes this division. And like, oh, like I failed, I've, I refuse to believe this because I don't understand it personally. And what these laws will do is sh- more narrowly shape what people know is possible right like little justin did not know that gayness was a thing so it it took me a lot of like hiding and self-hatred to and 20 years of life to know who i was and that's what's going to happen to more queer kids as they grow up in this country um so yeah they want to police bodies they want to police trans people they want to focus on a small percentage of people because the, the rest of society is like well it doesn't apply to me so let me not personally get involved but that's just such a slippery slope of the way that we let ourselves be like policed and controlled and i don't like that i don't like that
1: yes and it's very specific and very specific attack and hatred towards queer people because i want to break down some of this so the thing about trans people in the bathroom When someone who is, you know, for the idea of policing, what bathroom people use when they speak, the first topic they tend to go to is sexual harassment and rape in the bathroom.
2: That doesn't (laughs) happen. That doesn't happen. That's never happened, by the way. That's an imaginary problem, by the way.
1: (laughs) It has literally never happened. You can do research, whatever you need to make yourself feel better. A trans person has never sexually assaulted or rape someone in a public bathroom. Furthermore, something like what was this? It was, I think 39% of all sexual assaults and rape are committed by a random person. The rest of them are by someone the person knows, family members, mm-hmm. partners, friends, etc. So this idea that people are out in the world raping randomly is also not based in reality. And furthermore, if we want to talk about the people who do randomly sexually assault people and rape people, it is over 90% heterosexual, cisgendered men. Mm So this idea of a trans woman or man being the sexual assaulter in the bathroom is quite literally not it. And the reason that they want to use a certain bathroom is because it is uncomfortable otherwise
0: it's
2: uncomfortable it's unfair and like it said it just it, le- it invites room for people to police each other in a way that is like so unhealthy like we should trust ourselves and other people to like go pick the toilet to pee in where they see best fit you know Um right. I saw, yeah, transition is not about even, like, possibility and, and anything like that. But I, I was seeing videos of, um, there were, like, these young cis girls at track meets who had short hair that were being, like, harassed by the, like, older men in the bleachers. These, like, nine, ten-year-old girls. Uh, because being like, oh, no, like, they're actually a boy. They yeah. shouldn't be allowed to compete. And because, like, so the hysteria and the the trans laws that we were forced to talk about because they're passing and and Florida and the supermajority is like passing this shit so like we have to talk about it and but it's a scapegoat it's a distraction and then what it's leading to is like these young girls being harassed leaving their track meets crying because these old men in the in the bleachers think that they're good they ran faster because they're a boy you know and it's like None of like none of that sizing up of people should have ever been happening in the first place. Like, let's take that off of our plate and like let's worry about the shit that matters. Like, the like state is flooding. Like, we can't afford to live here anymore. Like th- mm-hmm. those real things, you know. Um, except for like torturing kids and just like letting them and their parents decide how they want how they are, you know.
1: Exactly. I know that there are some challenging topics because we are kind of newly entering a world where we are accepting of different types of people. So there is a place for more people to be their authentic selves. So we are going to encounter things that we haven't encountered before that we have to be like, oh shoot, what do we do here? But that should be done with some compassion and surely without any hate and without any judgment and without any like thinking of authority. Or somebody else like there's a lot of topics that are definitely they should be up for discussion what do we do about the bathrooms what do we do about sports I don't know the black and white answer but we are leading with hate and judgment and assumptions of like truly things that aren't even happening in real life so just like open dialogue and maybe some like genuine conversation about different ideas and then a meeting of the minds of those things and input from all different kinds of people. Like that's how we should be getting to address these issues. Like not all of them are black and white. The sports thing confusing for me. I have 10 different opinions about at one time about what to do with trans people in sports. I see some things that could be unfair. I see some things that no one should be worrying about. Like there's a lot of complexity in these ideas and, we're so unwilling to have open dialogue and to be open to different types of people's perspectives that it turns into like this, where it's this very black or white thing and it's not working for anybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And that's like why I I wanted to open the conversation by that disclaimer of being like, nothing I say is like final word. Like everything is an invitation to a conversation. I think, yeah, everybody is so like in their own corner of, of the world, of the internet, of of their bubbles that they create and the communities that you create that we don't really know like how to disagree with each other. We don't know how to have like conflict. And that's like why I try to meet people who don't understand me like with love and empathy and understanding to at least like open the door to be like, hey, like there is room for conversation here too if we can both just listen, like listen to actually understand where, where someone is coming from. Um, yeah, but it is, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. And then it's hard to do when the other side is like, you know, that, that they, they hate you like at their core <laughs> or that's what they're saying at least
1: of what naturally happens when we isolate ourselves to our own communities. Um, and literally we're in a world where social media is technologically built to put you in a corner because it sees what you like and gives you more of it, and only that. So, you know, if you're on TikTok and you obviously are, like, TikTok somehow knows that I'm queer, I like cats. Like, it just gives me the same shit over and over, right? Mm-hmm. And then if I, if if my dad does not have TikTok because he thinks the Chinese are spying on us, but if he did,
0: mm-hmm.
1: his all would be Republican.
0: Mm-hmm. Rep-
1: right so you have to purposely step outside of it and seek out the other side because it's not going to come to you naturally and educate yourself like if you see my list of podcasts I listen to you'd be like this girl has multiple personality disorder
0: mm-hmm.
1: one of the loves of my life is Joe Rogan
0: mm-hmm. is he
1: always saying the right thing about queer people no does he sometimes give a he's like a happy medium for me because he can give a perspective where he doesn't speak with authority. He's just like, this is something I don't get. And then I can see him as a human and be like, okay, I understand why that group of people who aren't exposed to this would be like, what the fuck is going on here? Mm -hmm. And that gives you like just a more open view of the world and a more, more ability to have conversations with different kinds of people where I don't need to shut you out. And through us talking, I could understand you more and you could understand me more, which would be the beneficial thing. But we are in a time where we are so divided that we're not allowed to have different types of views. Like, I don't want to subscribe to liberal Republican. I, and don't put me anywhere. Like, <clears throat> some things I believe you might classify as Republican. Like, I personally own a gun. Okay, so I think that is a right. Do I think it needs to be far more regulated? Yes. So I have opposing views, technically, if you look at, like, the left and the right, on one topic. But that's, like, what being a human is.
0: hmm
2: Yeah. So, and it's uh, even the... It's, like, the box conversation we were having before, too. It's, like, well, wait, if I don't fit neatly into one of these, I'm, like, what do I do? Where do I sit? Like, where does my opinion lay? Like, should I even say anything? Like, do I have a voice here? Um, and then and people kind of, like, disengage from
1: that. To, like, believe with entirety a whole narrative instead of coming up with like their own view of things
0: Mm -hmm. like I feel like
1: feel you have to identify as liberal or republican especially in our current world you'll adopt things that you might not really truly believe but you're like well I'm this thing so I'm I'm gonna ride with all of these ideas
0: Mm
2: -hmm. yeah yeah no and people take their like one or two sort like so okay like if I know nothing about transness, I've never interacted with a trans person, which now in Florida, because of the policies they're passing, they are making it more difficult for trans people to like exist freely and safely. Um, but yeah, if I don't know that in my lived experience, then I have to outsource that knowledge to Joe Rogan, to New York Times, to... Uh, pink news to whatever place I get my Instagram or TikTok or news from, right? And so, yeah, I think that is an invitation to people is, like, just actually go out into the world and don't let, like, one person's take on something be, like, the perspective on that thing. Um, And when you want to know the truth about something, listen to the people that are, like, the most affected by it. And that should be, like, that's, like, the the truest source, I guess, of, like, information you can get about that topic.
1: Yep, that's a perfect point and I do want to call attention to one of the bills that gives medical practitioners the right to refuse medical care for someone who does not subscribe to their moral or religious ideas is how they label it so that literally goes against like the ethical medical code so I don't know how those two things can even simultaneously exist but here we are and that makes me fucking sick that Emory can go to a hospital and they can be like, no, like yeah. that, that's fucking insane. Like that's one of those things that I can't really understand someone's confusion about that issue. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot of things that I could be like, okay, fine. The bathroom thing? All right, I can hear you out. What are your fears behind it? Okay. That's a real fear. The sports thing. Okay, got it. What are we fucking talking about that you can refuse medical care because someone... What? Like, huh? Mm -hmm. You don't agree with, like, how they live their personal life at home that has nothing to do with, like, they need medical care right now from you?
2: Yeah. And, like, what kind of person does that make you to refuse care to someone? Mm -hmm. Um
1: yeah you should not yeah. be in that field in general if you would even take that law into practice
0: yeah because I'm just like, oh,
1: sorry, go. stop. it's kind of like what you said there's a lot of vagueness so can i apply that to different races
0: mm-hmm. can
1: i apply like well, now we're getting into fucking looney town
2: mm-hmm. and and that that Though, what about this? What about that? Like, that is the goal. Like, that is the exact purpose. That's not like an accidental negative consequence. Like, that All is right. the design. That is the design to create confusion, to create what is and what's going to happen like when left unattended is like yeah queer and trans people and black people and immigrants are and women are going to be the most impacted by these things and are going to die or are going to like not be seen or are not or are going to be like further oppressed in society and like that's exactly what they are setting out to accomplish <laughs> like
1: uh yeah, yeah. Leave room for people to make the rules what they want exactly and be able to prosecute people as they want because it kind of falls within this law give or take
2: mm-hmm. and yeah i think like i don't know i think we've given like equal platforms to a lot of those fears that you're talking about that so like there's been recent surveys that social conservatism is like rising still like it used to be 31 percent and now it's 38 percent of social conservatism so
0: mm-hmm. like
2: these laws being passed, like, they're working, like, they are stirring up, like, doubt within people who don't know better because of their lived experiences, and, like, are are really buying into these things of, like, hmm, like, should, is there a reason to mistrust trans people when they step into the bathroom? Like, is there a misreason to, uh, is there a reason to mistrust drag queens? Like, is there a reason why we shouldn't let teachers, like, talk about gayness at school? Like, it's just normalizing the fact that that's not something ridiculous you know
1: are you still Um, in the education space say that again are you still in the education space
2: So no, I actually, uh, I started, so when I moved back to Florida, I was substitute teaching for a while at the beginning of this school year. So that was like, don't say gay existed, but it was only K through three. And I was subbing in a high school. So I was like, I think this is going to be okay for me. And I was literally just like taking attendance basically. And like, that's it. But even then without saying anything about myself, without saying anything, I would have kids come up to my desk and just sit there and be like, Yeah, so, like, just right away, no introduction, just, like, so I told my mom I was bisexual, like, she wasn't really happy about it, but, you know, that is who I am, like, maybe one day she'll understand, and these kids just, like, (laughs) right away opening up to me, right? Um, Yeah. Now, with the laws that are, in fact, like, I could get in trouble for having that conversation, I could be criminalized by that person's parents for having that conversation with, which they clearly so desperately wanted to have with the nearest adult who was a safe person to talk to, you know what I mean? Um. And yeah, it would be illegal for me to say I'm non-binary or that my pronouns are they or to ask students what their pronouns are, you know. But like when I was a teacher that and in D.C. the laws are different, but that was the relationship I was able to have with my students. So like I work at UM now, so I work in the higher ed space and it's a private school. So it's the, it's not all, the same laws are applying to it in the same way, but it's still kind of like at any time things could change, you know.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I feel like you are the perfect person to talk to about all of this, because, again, I find myself having less compassion than the people who have more of a lived experience in this space. And I think it's because I'm naturally so protective. So, you know, Emery has told me stories of someone not being accepting of them. And I'm raging and I'm raging for hours and they're like, it's it's all good. I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) So I feel like it, I hope that anyone listening to this who has not been exposed to the queer community, who feels fear, who feels uncomfortable. um, I will go as far as to validate your feelings and say, that's okay. And, you and I understand because we came from this background, but I also challenge people to, even if it's one podcast, one YouTube video, look up the opposite of whatever it is you believe and listen to one one hour conversation about it and just try and just see what you can get from it. And even if it, the most it does is you get one little nugget where you could be like, okay, fine, I get this that's beautiful and I feel like you were the perfect person because you're so uh loving (laughs) sweet like literally just through the audio of this podcast it is so obvious like how loving and open you are and how you haven't let these experiences make you hateful of people who could potentially be hateful towards you and I feel like you're so right in saying that that kind of love to other people could be the thing that eventually fixes this. But obviously it's very challenging because, and actually what you're doing is like the real version of Jesus and what he was teaching, which is really sweet. Like you took that part of your spiritual practice and are actually living it of like being loving towards everyone, even if they're not loving towards you. So I think that's really beautiful. And it shows how much, You've grown into yourself because I feel like when you're your true authentic self, that's when you can settle into those places of giving love to people who don't understand you because you understand you. So that's all that really matters. Mm. But I really appreciate you. I need to see you when I go down to South Florida and just hug your body for 10 minutes (laughs) and (laughs) appreciate your time.
2: Yeah. No, big big hugs incoming. This was awesome. Yeah, I definitely think that, like, God made me queer for a reason so that I could have the experiences that I've had to, like, truly learn how to love unconditionally. And, like, queerness has taught me that. And it's taught me the possibility of, like, what this world could be like if we just, like, loved each other and did the right thing. And it's okay for us to, like, get mad. Like, it's okay to have a righteous rage. Like, that's good. We need to do that. We need to love and act at the same time. So, that we're like safe and stuff but thank you so much and yeah i can't wait to hug you
1: all right i love you i'll talk to you soon all right Bye. bye
0: bye